welcome to Y11 Audio. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. This is Ypsilanti's official college football podcast. Go to ipsy11.com. In this episode, I have two things I want to talk about. One, the recruiting class of 2023. It's 99.9% across the finish line for pretty much everyone in America. We have spring to look forward to. There's going to be transfer portal stuff in May. But for this recruiting class, the cycle, it's pretty much all wrapped up there's some you know probably going to be some loose ends that open up like i just kind of referenced to with the transfer portal when spring kind of happens you know maybe players might drop out not just from here but nationally which would lead to open spots which means uh you know more recruiting would have to be done but moving forward generally the profile of this team is not going to change between now and august essentially so what you have is what you're going to get for the most part. I'd be really surprised if there's anybody that we spend too much time talking about today that is just not like relevant to the team really moving forward or like isn't getting a shot to be relevant to the team moving forward. You know, there's a lot of guys on here that, you know, that's what high school signings is about is being able to project. It's being able to to gamble on somebody and say like, "Hey, you were my guy." And hopefully they prove it to you, you know, and vice versa. It goes both ways. So we have the 2023 class to talk about, to have like a little bit of an overview. You've probably heard enough that EMU signed the max top rated class. You know, <laughs> hey, we're not going to stop saying that either, but uh, it's not like Buffalo's too far behind either. It was a post NSD 2.0 update that had to happen. Uh, of course, there's always kids that sign that are National Signing Day, you know, excitements that are new that even if you've been following the program, even if like you're in the weeds of the recruiting, maybe there are guys that you hadn't heard of until they signed with your program. And that was true of EMU too. Some of those guys that really weren't rated or didn't have any stars next to their names, you know, this it's a long process and sometimes it takes until after, you know, the big day in February to actually get that done even with you know the early the early signing period kind of speeding things up too it still takes a while for final grades to shake up even at the top end of the you know of the sport so with the updates it put emu over the top with total recruiting points per player and recruiting average per player in the max so it's nice to see that they had a nice you know unanimous victory on the recruiting trail this year something that you never ever talk about with emu because that's never happened before especially in this time of having recruiting services and having scientific breakdowns of who's coming from high school to college that was not really a thing yeah like high school you know signings and like great players and all that stuff has always been a thing especially at the top end of the sport but nationally for it to impact 100 plus 200 plus schools even at like the top FCS programs. This is all still like something we're used to. It's like been like around for essentially my whole life, but the real like meat of it, the real come up has been really over the course of my lifetime. Like I remember like Sam McDuffie, you know, he was, you know, a Texas native running back who once jumped over a guy in a high school game and therefore he was good enough to go to Michigan. He was a really good recruit, ended up going to Rice afterwards too, but it was around that time in like the mid-early 2000s when like 
the internet really sped up and kind of just made high school recruiting blow up and make it so national and like really just blew up on like the local scenes too like i grew up around detroit anybody remember city ballers that was the best man that that's what you wanted to be you didn't want to be a five-star recruit you didn't want to be a blue chip yeah i mean sure you did but like nah man you wouldn't be a city baller you wanted to be identified on city baller that's when you knew that you were the real deal it didn't matter if you were you know gonna go d3 afterwards it didn't matter if you were gonna go to Iowa afterwards. If you were a city baller, get out of my way, man. I was never a city baller. So where we're at now, since I was a little boy watching Sam McDuffie and all the other recruits and, you know, the birth of understood star ratings across the nation, we're now looking at two signing periods, one in December, one in February. You know the one in December already happened, and you also know the one in February just happened uh, like a week ago, two weeks ago. Something like that. Let's talk about the December signees. Let's talk about the February signees. Let's talk about where are they going to be on the roster. And instead of like me actually saying, like, hey, spring is coming, spring is coming, let's kind of go position by position of where these newcomers kind of fit in at. You know, there's some transfers that kind of make things more fun, too. And then also while we're drawing this up, we might as well look like way ahead. What is the 24 recruiting board going to look like? I'm not talking about names. I'm talking about levels. What level of player do you want each incoming player do you want to be? Do you want your class of 2024 to be more high school heavy, more transfer heavy? And at what positions do you want those high school recruits and those transfers to be at? Do we need transfer quarterbacks? Do we need high school linemen? Let's talk about it. Just so I have it one time, I need to say the entire freaking class. There's 27 signees, 25 are on scholarship. Uh, two walk-ons. Let's just start with the walk-ons. You know, no one ever starts with the walk-ons. We always end with the walk-ons. Let's just start with them. You know what? They've deserved it. They're going to work super, super hard to get these scholarships one day. Uh, Joey Matord. Oh, man. I don't even know how to say your last name. Joey. I'm so sorry, buddy. From Heartland, Michigan. Running back and a cornerback. Chase Arrington from Pittsburgh. A couple of walk-ons that are going to try to eventually earn their scholarships with the team. Uh, good luck to them. Uh, going down the list positionally, start with offense and then we'll go defense. Quarterback, Ike Udengu. Ah, oh, man, I, I'm doing this again. Ike Udengu, the third, uh, out in California. Mount San Antonio College. Yeah, Mount San Antonio College, something you never heard of. Um, not a highly ranked recruit, a lot of upside. Very similar profile, just video wise, really quickly. Elevator pitch, very similar to what Austin Smith brings to the table too so you know hopefully that does you know provide like a battle this year uh he's already with the team there so that'll be good you know if he hits then everything gets easier for this team moving forward uh recruiting wise him and the backup camera coy so those guys will be fighting for the one two three spots for sure uh, a couple of running backs well we already went over the the walk-on so i don't have to do that Dion brown St. Louis, Missouri, really, really fast guy. Uh, just anytime he touches the ball, it's a big play waiting to happen. I know that's easy to say with high school recruits, but go watch his film. Receivers, there's four of them. Got two from the transfer cycle. Terry Lockett, Michigan State, bounce back. Javon Swinton, Indiana. A couple of big Ten guys that didn't get their shot with their teams looking for you know, a second shot. Um, Lockett has three years. Swinton has two. A couple of freshmen. 
Joseph Walker Jr. He was a uh, you know somebody that had potential to go to the Big Ten. I believe he was a Western Michigan flip. And Mikhail Wood was a longtime commit, made a ton of plays for his high school team down in Georgia. Uh, it'll be exciting to see you know what he can bring and what can translate of his big play potential from high school to college because I think he's got a lot of potential. The tight end room got really exciting. Three three newcomers. Uh, a couple of them are already with the team. Cedric Anton, the German transplant, found him in Georgia. Uh, he's got hands. Gabe Hoffman, he was a signing day, you know, surprise, I guess, uh, out in the Pacific Northwest. At the time, he wasn't ranked, leveled up to a three-star ranking, so he's one of the better kids that you'll find in the MAC, you know, through the high school circuit. Um, he's got potential to, I don't know, man. He's got a lot of potential at tight end, but he has to prove it. Right now, he's a tight end. He might be a type if things don't work out for him there. He might have to move to the O-line, um, but EMU is giving him a shot. We'll see how that kind of works out. C.J. Horton, another guy who's really working for a shot. He was a walk-on wide receiver at Kansas State before he bounced to the junior college circuit and won a natty with uh, his Iowa Central team, another signee. Um, we got two of them from Iowa Central this year. Iowa Western, I'm sorry. C.J. Horton, though, tight end, tall guy, receiver first, added some weight. Now he's a tight end. You know, it's not like he's a natural tight end out of high school, so he's still in a way developing, but he provides size and hands. Size and hands. One, two, three, four, five, six linemen came to EMU this year. Uh, some transfers, Chris Mayo, Owen Snively, Dan Sunderman. Dan Sunderman, the only grad transfer coming into EMU this year. He was a three-time all-conference player at his Division II school, Central Missouri. Go Mules. Chris Mayo, he's arguably the highest-ranked offensive player to ever come to EMU. Um, yes, it's via transfer, so he's not like a top 25 recruit. Um, but still, Chris Mayo, tackle potential, came from West Virginia, should be really, really good, has a couple years remaining. So if he's like an immediate player, that's, that's exactly what you want. And Owen Snively, not sure where he's going to fit into the mix. Uh, potential guard, Colorado State transfer. I think he's got like three years left. So plenty of potential with him. We'll see if he gets sprinkled in yet. But I don't think there's like a real like need for him to start in 2023, maybe 24. But 23 is definitely one where he can like hopefully see the field. But development is more important. Kellen McDonough, Pittsburgh guy, highest ranked recruit in school history kind of bearing the lead on this one but we had to get the walk-ons first of course uh i think he was like very lightly recruited for as like high level of a recruit that he got you know for for the score his composite score being the best ever in school history a little light for a recruiting profile happy to have you terrence saunders uh if you're looking at emu's all-time recruit list terrence saunders you're going to come in at number 10 so that's really good uh, Kansas native, so crazy find there. And then Trenton Van Baining, already in for the spring. Libertyville, Illinois, should be good there. But yeah, plenty of numbers there, so your numbers look good on the freshman class. Defensive line, Messiah Blair, highest-ranked recruit. Uh, it looked like it was going to be him of all time, but he slipped to number five. Oh, no, tough. Uh, Detroit native, highest-ranked recruit out of Michigan, 
So that's something to look forward to. A uh, huge pass rusher. Uh, yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit with him. He, he should be really, really good. Luke Fletcher, also from Michigan, uh, Ann Arbor guy. Two three-star recruits there. Inside him, you got a Juco guy, Ugo Nosicki, Butler Community College, Malik Tullis from Georgia, Kevion Wellington from Indiana, Bryce Ayuk, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I'm sorry if it's not. He's going to be a very developmental linebacker uh, from the state of Michigan, though, so that should be a, a really, really good get. Linebacker is definitely one of those spots where you do want to be able to like have a projectable guy and have a guy that you don't expect to transfer like immediately transfer out. So if he hits, that's going to be really, really strong for the defense. It only needs two linebackers at a time. Uh, develop your mic. It, you know, if they're lucky, he's him moving forward. Only one safety, Javian Norman from Springfield, Ohio, and three corners that signed on scholarship. Talked about Arrington, the walk-on. Caleb Dobbs from Florida. Jaheim Jenkins, the other Iowa Western, not Iowa Central, Iowa Western Community College flip. Well, transfer, not flip. And then Daquan White from Georgia as well. Uh, Daquan, he is a trans, not transfer, a teammate of Malik Tullis, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, had to speed through that really quickly just so you hear all the names. You're going to hear them all again right now as I go through, you know, kind of positionally, like where like each room is at. So going down the list again, we're going to start with the offense. We're going to go down to the defense. We're going to totally ignore special teams for a moment. We're going to see where each class is at breakdown-wise and see who the players are and kind of, you know, where are the 2024 needs by each room. So with quarterback, Austin Smith, he's got three years of eligibility remaining. Assuming he is the starter for this year, next year, and the year after, EMU's in really good position. EMU's in a really good position to just bank on that and then try to forecast when the next you know, starter's going to be. Maybe it'll be like, I don't know. Maybe the next starter after him is not even on the roster, and that's totally fair. That might totally be okay. But for 23, you need to have good complementing parts. So maybe if Ike doesn't hit, but he's good enough to present some of the same skill sets that Smith has, then EMU's offense is going to be in a good spot in 23. But if he's not projecting to really do more than that, then you're really hoping that Cameron McCoy, who was the transfer freshman last year, hopefully he does enough to be a steady number two behind Smith. Now, whether or not that he projects to be like a future one for the team, that's totally up to him and what he's able to show. And if he's able to project as a strong one moving forward, then that's then you're going to have to like some have like serious conversations about what to do if you're going to get two scholarship players this year at this position or not. I still think no matter what, you need to have one. You need to add one high school guy because, frankly, because you didn't add one this past year. You know, Drew Viotto, he was pretty strong prospect, might still be good. There's a possibility that he could still come to Eastern via transfer. That's always a possibility, but don't assume that'll be the case, of course. But you can't go two years in a row without a high school signee. Even though Smith is good, even though you trust Smith and his ability to hold down his starting for his starting spot for the next three years, it's not enough for EMU to feel comfortable by not adding a quarterback. Because not adding one, not adding talent, not adding competition in that room 
that could potentially stall even the starters from developing even more. So you don't want that to have happen. And also if, you know, things don't work out well for one per one person like athletically and something doesn't work out for another person just just not fitting in with the team for non-physical reasons. I don't know. You know, you have to be open to these possibilities cratering your position room. So even though Smith, who already has shown that he could get injured and isn't the most durable quarterback, he could be moving forward, but he wasn't in 2022, which means that possibility is very, very likely moving forward. So do continue to find good talent outside of Smith. And don't be intimidated by how young he is. If he were someone that only had like two years of eligibility remaining, then yeah, definitely like spend many, many resources getting into the high school quarterback hunt. Because by the time that guy would be here, Smith would be, you know, a senior with one year remaining. Assuming he doesn't transfer out. If you do a good job, if you did a good enough job getting McCoy, recruiting McCoy and getting what you think you're going to get out of him. And if Ike is a hit as well, you're only going to need the one high school recruit. You're only going to need one. But it has to be a good one. If, you know, if one of these guys don't hit, then you might need to find, like, a junior college recruit. Or just somebody, just a transfer with some youth. And that could reasonably play Smith. Reasonably play behind Smith. Running back's going to be a really interesting position group to look at. You have two seniors that are going to leave, Samson Evans, Jalen Jackson. Samson Evans has been with the team, obviously, uh, a few years longer, ever since 2020. Is a steady every down back. Jalen Jackson, much faster. They're not like thunder and lightning. It's not like that. But Jalen Jackson does present a lot, you know, as a receiver, as a speedy back and as one of the best kick returners in the nation. That part, that third part's going to be the hardest to replace. As much as EMU loves, you know, field position and understands the importance of having strong field position to make your offense, you know, have more success, Jalen Jackson's ability to just run downfield faster than anybody else on the field is incredibly important, and that's going to be a huge, huge miss once he graduates. So you might not have to find another one like him because that's kind of impossible to ask. That's not going to be a great ask, right? And Samson Evans is a great running back too. Uh, you just, But you do got to find bodies. After them, what do you have on the roster right now? You have Bryson Moss, who's you know the oldest running back outside of them with two years remaining. But even then last year, he only had... He was only on the field for 24 snaps. You got a couple of freshmen uh, outside of the walk-on. You have Dion Brown, who's currently enrolled as a 2023 recruit, and then somebody who wore redshirt uh, last year as a freshman, Elijah Jackson Anderson, another in-state recruit. Very, very young. Very, very, very young. How many scholarships you put into this position? depends on a lot of things. It really depends on like how good those two guys are, those freshmen. Especially Elijah Jackson Anderson. He should be really strong, but but even if not, uh it's I don't know. It's it's just going to be like, like very 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 difficult because how many running backs do you realistically need? 
you know, and like Jalen Jackson, his speed is very, very difficult to match. And you just can't assume that you're going to have a, you know, one of the nation's best kick returners through the transfer portal at that position again. Like you can't assume that's just going to be the case. So you have to be pretty smart with it. I say EMU could be, they could get two running backs this year, and I think they would have to get a grad transfer, and I think that they would have to get a high school guy. A high school guy, of course, to develop and you know build into the system. But you need the grad transfer too because there is just a huge age difference in so many of these these players. Um, you know, next year Bryson Moss is going to be a senior, assuming he sticks around too. And if not, then like you have a little bit more flexibility. But until then, he's on the roster, right? Get a grad transfer, somebody with a lot of experience, somebody that hasn't been able to break through on their own team and just needs to be able to prove that they are a one and that they can lead, you know, these other guys who, you know, as much as you feel good about Deion Brown and as much as you feel good about Elijah Jackson Anderson, maybe they still need a, just a little bit more guidance and maybe there's just like a little bit more talent to be had in front of them. And also, if they're supposed to be like as big of players and you don't want them to leave yet, you know, let's let's save the hits. Let's save the hits on their bodies for a little bit. So I say, you know, in 24, get a high school guy and get a tran- get a grad transfer. Get two players, but you got to have an age gap between them to kind of let, you know, the two current freshmen kind of like grow into the program and kind of build, you know, a stagnant system that way. But the numbers are down a little bit, so you gotta you gotta get two at least. And I think if you're gonna get two to keep things at eighty five, and I did map things out, you know, how many transfers, how many grad transfers, and how many high school ads EMU should have, still have things equaling out to eighty five after all this. So uh for things to work out the way I have it right now, I think EMU should get two running backs, a high school and a grad transfer. Receiver, we're looking at three receivers graduating this year. Darius Lassiter, Tanner Canoe, and Hamze uh, is a Dearborn guy. Transferred in last year from Fordham. Didn't get to see him because he was injured. Maybe you get to see him this year. Who knows? It'd be exciting if you did because he seems pretty good. But still, you have two starters coming back. You're going to have to replace them coming in. No, think back to what you just said. What, what do we have coming in? Two transfers. Javon Swinton has two years remaining, so he'll be a one-year player next year. And then Terry Lockett with three years this year. He'll be a two-year player next year. And then Joseph Walker and Mikhail Wood, uh, two freshman scholarship players, depending on how many games they play this year. And I, I do actually expect them both to see the field. Let's just say that they do. You know, Then they'll be three-year players next year. So what do you really – and, like, there's a lot of names around them. There's J.B. Mitchell, who we haven't really seen, Isaac Smith. You know, there's Caden Keefe, Quinn Frasani. But, like, you know, Ali Abdul-Bar, who was hurt all last year. A bunch of names, but you just haven't seen them on the field yet. And so I can't really can't really bank on anybody that I just haven't seen play on game days yet. But even then, there's a bunch of walk-ons, right? So you have to be smart with that. How many scholarship receivers do we really need? 
how many of these receivers do we want to grow into scholarship receivers? You know, what's the best way to allocate the resources there? The way I'm looking at it, EMU is going to have three guys graduate, so they'll be left with six scholarship receivers next year. And maybe we know about four of them. Maybe we know about Swinton, Lockett, Walker, and Wood. Maybe we already do know about those four right there. How many do you really need? One? Like, if you get one, it's either got to be... I don't think it needs to be a graduate transfer. I think if you get one, ideally, a high school addition would be great. But also a mid-year transfer, a mid-life transfer, somebody that's, you know, just like these other two who have Big Ten, you know, practice time but no playing time. Maybe EMU's the next stop for another receiver in 24 like that. Or maybe maybe both of those receivers are doing really, really well for themselves. And the freshmen are hitting, right? Maybe one of the freshmen is just like really, really hitting. Maybe Mikhail Wood, I'm just going to use him. Maybe he's the real deal and is actually going to start over the transfers, right? Then you really need then you really need some high school guys. Uh, but I think I think one high school receiver right now is a healthy spot for EMU's recruiting situation. And definitely more of these could open up as guys transfer out of the system. But for now, I think one wide receiver through the high school ranks would be the healthiest approach. Tight end, you don't really need one. Tight end, the one that you have uh you know, a one-year tight end, uh, walk-on Blake Daniels. Jared Getzinger is a two-year guy. He's a block-first tight end. I'm going to say, when tight, when it comes to tight ends, I say block-first or catch-first, right? Because those are just like the two kind of things you go for a tight end. Is he a blocker or is he a catcher? Yes, you have guys that can do both. But, you know, just like in basketball, when it comes to, hey, is this, is this guy a shoot-first or a pass-first guy? When it comes to tight ends, I say block-first or catch-first because... There's really only one or two. There's one of two reasons why you're putting that tight end out there. So Jair's a uh, block first guy. Two years remaining. A couple guys with three years remaining. Andres Posky, who we know is a catch first tight end. Uh, he'll be back. So next year he'll be a two-year player. And then C.J. Horton, catch first, of course. Converted wide receiver. Is adding weight. He'll be a two-year guy next year. Max Reese, who's been a project. Uh, we'll see what he looks like this year. He's a catch-first guy. He's a converted wide receiver out of high school. And so that that's something you have to think about. Like, there is, like, there was the planned conversion with him when he was already a teenager. So this isn't, like, something that he's, like, had to come to gripes with as, like, a 19 or 20-year-old. So... Whatever version of a tight end that EMU wanted him to be, he's closer to it than, you know, if he would have started this process after he would have signed with the team. Like, this was something that he understood, that he wasn't going to be a wide receiver. He was someone that was going to have to, you know, put his hand in the dirt, block some DNs, and play life that way. But still, he's a catch-first guy. Gabe Hoffman, who knows? I'm going to say he's a block-first. Cedric Anton, I'm going to say he's catch-first. There's a lot of hands in this room. You don't really need a tight end, though, because one, two, three guys on scholarship that have four to five years that that they'll be at Eastern, 
don't really need another high school guy. So I say if you're going to get one, if EMU is at a point where Austin Smith is still playing well, and, you know, they're still going to bank on him for the next few years, right? Let's get him another blocking tight end. Why not? You got hands in Posky, you got hands in Reese, and you got hands in that wide receiver room, I hope. Get some blockers, add some extra protection. Get somebody who, you know, you have the project C.J. Horton, who is a build-up wide receiver to tight end. You have Gabe Hoffman, who might be building into an offensive line at some point if the tight end thing doesn't work out for him. So maybe you don't have to worry about an offensive line moving forward. Like, that's one offensive lineman spot you might not have to worry about moving forward if that's where Hoffman has to slide over to. But for now, I mean, he's going to be down in the system, so you don't really need to worry about it. You know, you don't play three tight ends every down, like, hardly ever. Yeah, so EMU, like, as as far as recruiting goes, you don't need to force it. I say if there is, you know, a 2024 tight end big with hands, go get one. Like, there's nothing better than a big guy who can catch and run in football. There's nothing more important than that. Well, lots of things, but that's a valuable tight end is probably like the second or third most important player on the field at all times. So if you have one, get one. But if you think you have one already, don't force it. Get a blocking tight end. Don't overthink it. Potentially four guys are going to graduate out of the offensive line room this year. Alex Howie, Dimitri Douglas, Brian Dooley, Dan Sunderman. Those four are probably going to be the starters, plus Chris Mayo, who's also transferring in. It's a lot of experience that EMU is going to lose. You know, now don't feel bad about, you know, what's behind them. You know, Kellen McDonald, Terrence Saunders, those two are really, really strong offensive linemen already. Trenton Van Baining, if the recruiting services have anything to say for it, he's already in spring so he can level up, you know, to get to their level, but right now, they're really, really projectable, likable, you know, freshmen that are coming in right now, but we don't know if they're good college linemen just yet. Maybe they are, but we don't know just yet. Uh, Lots of guys around them that still need to prove themselves, like Carson Lee, who transferred in from Colorado last year, Owen Snively, who just transferred in from Colorado State this past year. I don't really know how good they are. Brock Roman, uh, formerly Broderick Jordan, right? A uh, couple of name changes there. Don't know where he's at with the system, but he hasn't left. Kind of interested to see, you know, how strong of a player he's going to be for this EMU O line. Same with Jimmy McAdams. Same with uh, Jay Janvier. Did I say it right? Uh, Daniel Warren's been too. You know, there's just a bunch of guys behind the seniors that I'm just I'm not sure where they fit in yet. But after Howie, Douglas, Dooley, and Sunderman all graduate out after this this year, you're looking at three to four spots across the offensive line that are losing their starters, right? So that's going to suck. There's going to be a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of, but I think the rotation has to be like a strong like eight deep this year. 
just so you can say that, hey, we got our guys, you know, some ex- some playing time so that they could, you know, know what to expect once they're, like, first-time starters next year. But I don't know if you're going to, like, have enough time to actually do that in a championship-building year that you're trying to have, you know, while also trying to build for the future with the O-line. That's going to be a very, very hard equation for EMU to figure out on the fly. But as, you know, the class of 2024 goes, my math, I'm looking at four additions, two through the high school ranks and two transfers. Uh, the two transfers might as well just be graduate transfers, honestly. Because if Chris Mayo is the fifth starter, and I'm saying that with conjunction of Dan Sunderman also being the starter this year, why not? Then you're only having the one guy come back. So you need a lot more experience to this O-line as some of the other guys, the younger guys that you do feel good about. Let them come up at their own pace. You know, they shouldn't have to be rushed if you don't have to. So get some grad transfers next year to block for, you know, the quarterback who is going to be a junior. D-line, I'm looking at it in two ways, interior and ends, of course. Uh, The only one that's leaving, so you have two total defensive linemen that are leaving, and I don't think either of them are on scholarship. I could be wrong. Adrian Gonzalez, interior guy. Joe Zielinski, who was a defensive end, filled in some time when guys kind of got hurt last year. He's going to be gone too. So the defensive room, like the defensive line unit, two rooms, interior and the ends. You're looking at, it's going to be pretty good. If you're looking at this like, like this is Madden, this is ideal because nobody's leaving. Everybody gets to stay and level up. Uh, And especially if nobody transfers out, then it's going to make things a lot easier. But that said, you still have to do something on the recruiting trail. Right? You still have to... You still have to add competition. The interior next year, the seniors are going to be Javon Brown, who we haven't seen yet, a junior college guy, and Alex Merritt, who we have seen, but not too much because, you know, he was really, really good in 21, but was injured for basically all of last year. Then behind him, you're going to have uh, incoming junior college guy, Ugo, Peyton Price, who's definitely made a name for himself at the nose, and Melvin Swindle as well, who's been coming up as well. Tim Grant Randall, walk on. I feel pretty good about him too. Maybe he gets to have a scholarship at some point. A couple of incoming guys, Mark Tullis, Kevion Wellington. Can't really say too much about how they're going to fill in until we just see it. It's just one of those positions where, like, dude, if you don't have, like, the weight and strength to, like, boss people around inside, you're just not going to see the field. It's hard to just expect that out of a high school guy. It's nice if they can. It's nice if they can, like, prove themselves at, like, 18, 19 years old, you know, same way that Peyton Bryce has and Alex Merritt. Both of them really have. Price has been really good. It's really hard to expect that, though. So... If EMU does want to add anybody there and for it to make an immediate difference, a grad transfer is going to be the way to go. But with the way that the numbers are, it's, I don't know, it's hard because most of this, most of this room is guys that have three years remaining. One's a walk-on, but you have three scholarship guys, including the one um, junior college. You're going to be having guys graduate out, but not yet. And your most experienced guys seem pretty young. 
So I say if you're going to add any, you only need one high school guy. I think one high school guy is definitely going to be the way to go. I shouldn't say definitely. It's just a way to go. Either one high school guy or a transfer with like three years remaining. One of those types. But I don't know. I don't see the need or the push for a graduate transfer just yet. Especially if, you know, Merritt, Brown, and Price, and Swindle, and Nosicki are five really strong interior guys that you can rely on, um, you know, in 23 and 24. But are you, I don't know, the number's going to go up if any of these guys decide to transfer out, right? Like if Price decides, all right, I'm out of here, I'm going to go to Big Ten, or I'm out of here, I'm going to go to Auburn, where, you know, my former defensive tackles coach is now at, I could definitely see that being a re- being a possibility, but at that point, that's when you definitely add the transfers. But I would definitely lean younger here. Let them build them up your way, build them up the way you want to see them, but don't force a transfer if you don't have to. Defensive end, I feel the exact same way too. Defensive end actually might be in a better spot than defensive tackle because. It staggered a little bit better. I'm looking at a walk-on with, you know, of the one years currently, one walk-on of the two years. You have two scholarship guys, Mikey Haney, who we didn't see last year because he was hurt, then Sterling Miles, the the Cincinnati transfer, uh, blocked a couple kicks. Some three-year guys. You feel good about them too, man. Micah Coleman got some playing time. Carter Evans, you know, he's, he's pretty strong. You do like your... You know, you do like your pieces there. And with the guys that have four or five years remaining right now, you feel great about this class. Malik Bogard and Messiah Blair were incredibly high-rated uh, pass rushers as far as like EMU recruiting goes. Jaden Gaines, he's a strong recruit as well. Luke Fletcher, he's strong as well. You have a lot of good options here. You do not need a transfer. The only way you need a transfer is if you know multiple guys transfer out, if one guy transfers out, or if half of these guys are just no good. Like, if these guys are just not what you thought they were going to be, that's when you get the transfers. But until then, you know, without anybody, any scholarship guys, any impactful scholarship guys transferring out, get one high school guy that really, really matters. You know, definitely expect and get ready for, you know, one of these guys to get hurt and somebody to transfer out and get ready for the Haney and Miles graduations when those come by getting a high school guy now. But you feel pretty good moving forward. Like, in a couple years, your three-year players are going to be really, really strong, and hopefully all Mac caliber. So defensive ends, you don't need to force transfers just yet. I think that's something where, like, you know, break glass in case of emergency, but don't force it. Do not force a transfer in this position. This is definitely the most important defensive recruiting spot in every class moving forward until, you know, football changes. But having an incredible pass rusher is definitely the way to go. And you got some really good pieces right now. You have to feel really, really good about your options moving forward. Yeah, don't get a, just don't get a transfer. That's my plea. You don't need a transfer. You get a high school guy, two total defensive linemen, one interior, one end, and you might be all right.
Now, linebacker is a fun spot because you have three guys that are leaving. You only need two starters, right? You only need two guys to start because it's a 4-2-5. You need a Mike. You need a Traveler and a weak side. And maybe a flex. But you don't need huge numbers at this position. You know, it was it was a heck of a move last year to get two linebackers when one graduated out and that was probably the best move that it could have made even though that you know wasn't the best personally for Tariq Spates to have you know somebody transfer you know people to transfer in in front of him after he was a top tackler a top two tackler for two straight years but it did make the team better we all thought Joe Sparacio was gonna transfer out after this year not transfer out but graduate out but he's still here for 23. So that is definitely huge for the defense. Definitely huge for, you know, this room that needs as much talent as it can get out of two possible guys. And they're going to be leaving. Those two plus EJ Williams uh, hasn't seen this field too much. You know, I don't really know who the true players are behind them. You know, Justin Jefferson, he's pretty good. Steven Scheidt, he's pretty good. Luke Cameron is someone who went from a walk-on to a scholarship status player last year. All three of those guys have two years left, so they'll be seniors next year. You have to think about that. Who are the real players going to be? The only three-year player right now is Zach Mochin. He's definitely someone who might actually level up out of his walk-on status to a scholarship spot if one opens up. I could see that being the case. Uh, and of the four-year guys, you know, the only one that's on scholarship is Bryce Ayuk. Sorry again if I mispronounced your last name. E-L-I-U-K, though. Where are you going to go with losing three players? I think EMU could replace two starters by adding three total players. They're losing three players. By adding three more, add a grad transfer, add a mid-year transfer. Not a mid-year transfer, but you know what I mean. Someone that has two or three years left. And then add somebody out of the high school ranks. Get a grad transfer, get a JUCO guy, get a high school guy. I think that's probably a good formula for EMU right now. To definitely like add different levels of experience and add just more, just different faces to this room. Keep your numbers the same. I think seven scholarship guys at this position is probably a good spot for you to be at. And if Zach Mochin or any of these guys like step up, then you don't really need to emphasize. You don't need to emphasize trying to add three players to a position that only starts two at a time. So best case scenario, you only add two because Zach Mochin is good enough for a scholarship. Uh, worst case scenario, you have to add three, and if you have to do it with three, do it. I just said high school JUCO grad transfer through the portal cornerback and safeties kind of go in conjunction as defensive backs i have them split up on my end just so i can kind of break things down a little bit even though you know there might be a case where somebody goes between two spots but i don't know this team seems pretty organized and not having its corners play too far outside of its position and its safeties same deal so only one one year senior in the defensive backs, uh, if that made any sense. Robert Daniels, the only guy 
who is going to be leaving after this year on scholarship, a lot of two-year players remain out of the defensive backs. At safety, TJ Peavy, David Carter, Kendrick Nowling, Josh McCarty. But TJ Peavy is probably the biggest player there. Uh, he was fifth on snaps played last year, focusing more on safeties. Three-year players, Q Scandrit, Contavia Scandrit, uh, grew up into a starting free safety. Cam Smith, same thing, strong safety. Uh, EMU went to more of like a one-high look after Blake Bogan got hurt. I'm sure they want to play too high moving forward, just generally. That was kind of like a, you know, unfortunate circumstance that the 22 team had to work itself into a, you know, didn't want to be too high, ended up being one high, and that's why you really only saw one safe, one of those two safeties on the field for the most part. But I still think those three right there, Q, Cam, and PV, those are the three main safeties right now that we're probably going to see more of next year. Jabian Norman's the only scholarship uh, freshman that it's bringing in this year. We'll see how he develops. At corner, uh, they added more than I thought they were going to. They added four, four total cornerbacks to a team that already had three really strong corners. Josh Scott, who was added last year. Captain Shine, who has been with the team uh, since he signed as a freshman out of St. Rita, right? St. Rita? And then Mark Lee, Columbus native, I believe. Definitely someone who has like more length, but Scott and Shine, those two, those two are very, very good cornerbacks. Those are good cornerbacks that you could trust to put on an island with for, you know, against anybody's number one wide receiver in the MAC. Like, that's the level that, that those two play at. Mark Lee, I don't, I'd like to see how he, you know, is used more in 23. Like, what is more of his role? Are the other two guys that I said more of like island corners and Lee plays more of like a slot corner because he's got like, like a size advantage that could like really like help out in the slot. Uh, Keelan Gulley, who was also a Juco guy that came last year, he played some last year, just was obviously not like just like a rung below the other ones that I just referenced. Uh, Corey Thomas, special teams contributor for the most part. You know, at corner, they're set. Like, they don't need another transfer cornerback this cycle. You know, uh, three year guys, they added one through the Juco ranks, Jaheim Jenkins, of course. And then through the freshman ranks, Caleb Dobbs, Daquan White, they're set. Like, numbers, they are set. They could not get a cornerback this year, and they'd be totally fine. I don't think they need a single one. At safety, I think you need to add two through the high school ranks. I think EMU did a good job of bulking up at corner this year and forced itself to get young before its current players got old. And corner's a tough spot, man. Corner is not just an easy position. Like, if you're not, like, one of 15 corners in America, one of 20 corners in America, out of the high school ranks on an annual basis, you're probably not good enough to play at the college level as an 18-year-old. Like, that is hard, even at the MAC level. It is hard so corner is definitely one of those spots where you needed to find guys that would be happy enough to develop 
for an extra year or so and not be happy with playing time. It's their first one year, two years, potentially three years on campus. But by the time that they're leaders and that they're, you know, upperclassmen, they can hold their own. So hopefully one of those guys at the cornerback spot can break through as like a freshman, retro freshman, but that's really like the expectation. Like the expectation isn't for you to actually blossom until you're a sophomore. Retro sophomore. You know, the only one of these newcomers that really has to show up and like actually prove that they're worth that spot is Jaheim Jenkins. And only because he came with a little bit of college experience already. And even then, he can still kind of like take it easy for a minute because I don't see any reason why EMU would want to take Josh Scott or Kempton Shine off the field. Mark Lee's really good too. But the, the other two are really, really good. So there's no there's no rush to get them off the field. You don't need any more corners behind them right now. You know, you could have zero and they'd be totally fine. If you added one through the high school rank, that'd be fine. But SOS on the defensive end conversation. Uh don't get a don't get a transfer here. You don't need one. Now when you need one, get one, but you don't need one. And at safety, you gotta get two. Emu did a good enough job of getting young before it's three, you know, big players got old. You know, last year, all those cornerbacks had three years of eligibility remaining. And then they added three more corners, scholarship corners, to the high school and one junior college guy. I could see Emu doing the same thing for its safeties, you know, and maybe it could recruit corners to be safeties, maybe it could recruit safety to, to be, recruit safeties to be corners but if we're trying to fill up safeties and we're just focusing on that let's do the same thing let's get young before the team gets old before Q and Cam have two years left and TJ has one year left add a couple more guys to develop through the system that way you know once the 24 freshmen the 24 safety freshmen come in they can meet Caleb Dobbs they can meet Daquan White and they can understand hey this is what freshmen go through yes the playing time sucks yes it'll be great later you just have to get through these first couple years first just like what we're doing right now I think that's a good spot for it to be at and again you're not losing a lot you're really not losing a lot so you know get younger while you can so if you didn't write all that down and I'm, I'm totally ignoring Special teams right now. It's losing Brady Pohl. He's on scholarship. Uh, you're losing a kickoff specialist, but I'm not going to really focus on that too much. I'd rather just wait until like somebody transfers out, and then you're like, oh wait, here's an extra scholarship. Uh, here it goes to another kicker. You know, that's definitely like down the list of things for me. But to get to 85 total for next year, here's what I got. I have 10 total additions to the high school ranks. I have one, and this is all by me. This isn't like official or anything like that. You don't even have to abide by what I say, but I think you should because I'm smart. Just kidding. You have 10 total high school ads, one transfer with a little bit of experience, but like, you know, only a two or three year player, 
and then five grad transfers. That's that's my recipe. Yeah, add one quarter. So the high school guys add one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, two offensive linemen, an interior and an exterior defensive lineman, a linebacker and two safeties. Ignore corner. Ignore special teams. Maybe. You know, mid transfers get a linebacker. Like I said, get three linebackers. Have them stagger. That third one's going to be a graduate transfer linebacker, and the other four grad transfers that you know I'm saying EMU could get in the future as like a projection, perhaps two grad transfer offensive linemen and a grad transfer running back, and the running back one, you know, and that's again that's just to like because there's a huge age gap, and I'm currently pre spring 2023 unsure of what the running back room behind numbers uh, 22 and 28 are going to look like. I'm unsure of that. I'm unsure if Boone is going to be the most, not Boone, I'm sorry, he already transferred out. If Moss is going to be the most reliable, you know, number three running back. Again, these aren't numbers that are totally perfect, but it's a really good outline of like, hey, where should your head be at? And how much could your mind change of the potential 20, the 2024 class this is kind of what it could look like, but if players drop off or if players, you know, prove themselves as like, you know, being starters when I thought they were actually just bench warmers, then these numbers could change a little bit. But based on what we know right now, that's kind of my look of where EMU's recruiting needs are for 2024.